This is the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, Episode 4. Soon, you're buying something you didn't even know existed yesterday. Now that's what I call a slippery slope effect. Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. Welcome to episode four. Today, we're talking about the quote-unquote slippery slope. Now, I'll give you my definition, Seth. Uh, We always talk about the slippery slope, and we're going to jump in today into details, and we're going to dissect the slippery slope, what it means for your business, give you some real-life examples, both both in personal life and in your business life. But my definition, off the cuff, Seth, is a slippery slope to me is a systematic step-by-step approach designed where one small and simple little step makes the next necessary step easy to start and each subsequent step becomes easier to start and hopefully finish. (laughs) How do you define your slippery slope, Seth? Yeah, Sean, I love this concept because if you can get this in your head, if you can think about falling down a slope or your customers falling into a slope that's slippery um, and think about making each step uh, simple so it's easy for them to get kind of into our uh, into our falling motion, um, then you can sure do a lot uh, better in your marketing. You get a lot better results. So I define a slippery slope as a process of events that are easy for a customer to take and gets them more and more invested in completing that process as they go along. So if you can get them to step over a small hurdle and another small hurdle and another small hurdle in the buying process, you'll get them a lot further along than if you just stacked all your your uh, processes up into one big hurdle. Because if they if they get to a page or if they they get to a uh, step in your marketing and it's difficult or there's a lot of stuff to do, a lot of times a customer will just stop. Right, Sean? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, in the psychological word uh, world. Uh, rather, I think you've also read the book, uh, the Cialdini book about the psychology of influence and whatnot. I think there are two or three iterations of that. But, you know, in, in psychology and in psychological sales systems, we always refer to this as commitment and consistency. And, you know, it's it's funny to me that once a, a buyer or, you know, whether it's in a sales environment or a personal environment, once someone makes a commitment, to do something or act on something or accept something, it seems that we as humans, once we make that commitment, will go to almost any length to not only prove to ourselves that we made the right decision, but also prove to those around us because we just don't want to look like fools. So how many times, Seth, can you think of you've seen a cousin or an uncle or or a friend in school get exposed to some kind of scam or some con artist got into them? And I seen it over and over as I was growing up to where, you know, once this con man would get you to spend a little bit of money, then, you know, you're looking at this from the outside and you're saying, gosh, Charlie, why, how could you be so stupid? Why do you just keep giving this guy money? And what happens is in Charlie's mind, who's a fictitious person, once I've committed and made that initial investment, I will go to almost any length to prove to myself, make myself feel better and make those around me look at me as I made the right decision. And even if that means throwing bad money after bad money, 
How many times have you seen this happen? And, and the person, the victim, will always think to themselves, well, if I just stay close to this person at some point, I may have the opportunity to get even or get my money back. We see it in an investment world. We see it in the business world. You know, unfortunately, we see it in day-to-day life. Scams and con artists uh, get away with this type of thing. And that's why it's called commitment and consistency. So how do we use that in our business and create the quote-unquote slippery slope? Well, as a consumer, if I make a tiny little commitment, that's a small hurdle for me to do, whether that's an action or an expense or a purchase or whatever that is, it makes the next action so much easier for me to continue down that slippery slope. So some examples, Seth, uh, in, 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 in personal life, um, the one example that I can think of, buddy, is like, imagine if you're going back to back, you, you, you make a commitment in January, your New Year's resolution is you're going to work out every day from 8 to 9 a.m. Well, maybe you've seen this, but this one single missed workout makes it so much harder to get started because you lose the momentum. But if you just continue that workout process, if you don't miss any, then every other day just gets to be easier and easier. What can you think of, Seth, as a a real-life personal example of where the slippery slope effect takes place? Yeah, Sean, and actually, as you were talking there, it just made me think about how powerful this concept is and how you don't really realize how powerful it is until you see somebody else get scammed or you get scammed or, you know, what have you. So you really got to be um, make sure that you are approaching this process from your customer's best interest. Obviously, we never want to take advantage of anybody, but it, people out there do. So if you can recognize this to use it in your business, then you can recognize it in your daily life. But you're exactly right, Sean. If whenever I miss a workout, then it is a slippery slope because I'm way more likely to, to not go the next day. So you can see how, um, you know, that one little action creates a bigger impact down the road. But for me, you know, if I, if I opened up a bag of my favorite chips or um, took a bite of one of my favorite desserts, well, it's not very likely that I'm going to stop at that first bite. It's like, well, that first one was pretty good. Let's, let's uh, see how a second one, uh, you know, would be. And then you're, you know, you're a few dessert trays in and you're like, wow, what happened? And, and that, that's kind of what pops in my mind, Sean. What about business? Enter the goldfish, right? I remember uh, vividly just last week <laughs> I was in your office in Indiana and you had this half a gallon box of goldfish snacks. <laughs> I knew better. You kept shaking the box and showing me. And I thought, man, as soon as I eat a handful of those, that box will be empty. So, of course, when I come back a couple of days later, that box was empty because obviously you got stuck on that slippery slope, didn't you? <laughs> Every time. So, um, yeah. So when it comes to business, obviously, the slippery slippery slope effect takes place in personal life. But, uh, Seth, what can you think of in the business world as we're out and about as consumers and shoppers? Uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind to you so that folks who are listening to this episode can say, oh, yeah, that's happened to me. What do you think about in the business world as a consumer? Where has the slippery slope effect taken place for you? What always kind of cracks me up, Sean, is every single time that we go out out to eat or out to a restaurant or something, I'm always thinking about this slippery slope concept because, you know, a restaurant is designed to be a slippery slope. You, you, you know, the hostess walks you in. There's no talk about money. They sit you down. Everything's really easy, right? They, 
the first thing they ask you is, hey, can I get you something to drink? No mention of what they're going to charge you for that drink, but you go ahead and order. You, uh, you know, the waitress comes back with your drink and all smiley. She says, uh, you know, would you like something for an appetizer? Well, yeah, sure. I'll take the whatever. And now you're in a little bit deeper. Um, then she brings out the menus and you order your full blown meal. Um, and as you're enjoying your meal, she comes back and asks you, what would you like to have for dessert? You know, in a few minutes, I'll bring that out. It's, it's amazing. And then at the end of the, at the end of that, you might even have an after dinner cocktail. She's offering it up. You're having a great time. And then you get the bill and you're like, holy smokes, it all started with a drink. Um, that's, that's kind of what pops in my mind, Sean, every time I take a seat at a, at a restaurant. Yeah, but of course, Seth, you're the guy who reads the menu from right to left every time, right? <laughs> well, sometimes you'll fall into those traps, Sean. You got to watch out. <laughs> For me, it's like buying a new car, which is something I hate to do. Like I would literally, I would like to go out and purchase a used car every time. I can just pay, I can negotiate, pay the price, drive it home. Occasionally, though, I need to lease a car or something. So I have to go to the dealership to buy a new car, lease a new car. And it's ridiculous because every time I'll budget like two hours to the process. And I think to myself, I know what I want. I know how much I want to pay for it. I'm willing to pay the price. I have the cash in my account. Let me just go in there and do it. And I'm always surprised, you know, with the exception of when I purchased Tesla, you know, we purchased a couple of Teslas. It's like basically you do it online and then you just go pick up the car. Well, when I go to a car dealership, and I tell myself, I even call ahead and I say, listen, I know what I want. I'm a busy man. I don't want to be there all day. How long can you get me in and out? It's a cash deal. Oh, yeah, we'll have you in and out in 45 minutes. Well, eight hours later, I'm sitting at a desk talking to the guy who's doing the paperwork and he's pushing the warranty. It's like, you know, I go in there. This is what I want. But you have to remember, Seth, car dealers are the ultimate slippery slope. Their goal is to get you to the lot. No matter what you say when you call a car dealer. Yes, that's fine. We can do it. Get here. Because he knows if he doesn't get you on that slope, meaning pulling into the lot and getting you to sit down in a new car, he has absolutely no chance of selling you. So they'll tell you everything. Yes, it's in stock. Can you put your eyes on it? Yes, I can see it from here. Is it really red? Yes, it's red. And then when you get there, it doesn't even exist because he knows if he can't get you. And I know it's shady. It's backhanded, underhanded, whatever you want to call it. But it's their business model. He knows that he has zero chance of getting you into a new car unless you actually make the trip down there and get onto his slippery slope. So recently I went in, I, I built a, a new truck online. I ordered it. It said, here, call your local Chevrolet dealer. I went there to pick it up. And the guy says, oh, no, we don't have that. Now I have something similar. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is what I want. Just order it for me. It's fine. Well, guess what? He didn't order it for me. He took me out there and showed me something that even had more bells and whistles for the exact same price, but he made the sale. And I said, look, I'm going to write a check for it. I want to go home. I got two hours to do this. Let's get it done. It was eight hours later after they tried to sell me, you know, Scotch guard for the seats. I don't care about the seats. They tried to sell me a truck bed liner, you know, to keep it from getting scratched. I don't want that. And when it was all said and done, we're doing paperwork. They said, now, listen, I know you don't want to buy this, but it's my job. I have to go through the warranty process. Do you want this? No. Do you want that? No. Do you want this and that? No, no, no. <laughs> what can I do? What price would you pay for this? I was like, buddy, I wouldn't take it if you paid me $100 for it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
And, you know, needless to say, I drove home in a new truck eight hours later, the one that I did not sign up for. <laughs> Still have it today, uh, you know, but it's just, it's crazy. It's the slippery slope. We all fall victim to it. We don't all call it the slippery slope, but it's a systematic sales process that takes you as a customer step-by-step step through a journey that's well thought out that has the maximum amount or the maximum chance for a, a conversion at the end of the day. We all have one for our business. If you don't, then you should. And we're going to give you some ways to do that right away. So, um, you know, that's about that's that's about the best thing I can think about when it comes to a slippery slope, Seth, in the real business world. Yeah. Another piece of that, Sean, that you uh, mentioned kind of passively was that they had you there for eight hours. Talk about a slippery slope. If you're going to be sitting there for eight hours, you might as well be buying something. Uh, so exactly. they, they, they had a small little hurdle there. And then, uh, they, you know, each um, subsequent step, they, they try to get you to the next thing. So same same process, John. You know, that reminds me, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I lived in central Indiana. And we would drive to Chicago. I was buying these, these watches from a guy, a jewelry dealer named Anil. And the watches, you know, they would cost like $8 or something. And we sold them for 25 or 30 but I would have to drive to Chicago and pay cash. Well, what Anil didn't understand was I was taking my entire nest egg. You know, I'd take like $2,000, $2,500, and I would go up there to buy a specific amount of watches. Well, Anil, you know, he had a system, he called it. <laughs> I know I told you this story before, but I would go in and he would bring out these trays. Each tray would, ha would hold about 50, 40 or 50 watches. All right. And they were all the same price. But he would start showing me these trays of watches in his jewelry store and he'd pull out one tray and I'd pick three or four watches. And then he'd put that tray away and he'd bring out another tray. And he'd, I'd pick out three or four more watches. Let's say just for sake of argument, I wanted to buy 100 watches wholesale. Well, I wouldn't even see all the trays. He would save all the good new designs until after I went through all the old stuff. And so I would sit there and was like, Anil, just show me what you have. Lay them all out. He said, no, no, no. I have system. I have system. I was like, I understand, but your system can't work because I have budget. So <laughs> show me all the watches. But he knew that every time he brought a tray out, I would select three or four watches out of it. So his goal was to ramp up my average order value or my cart value when at the end of the day, I could see how that would work if I had an unlimited budget or a big credit card or something like that. But I went there to spend what I had. So what happened inevitably was I had to put back some of the early selections to select some of the newer designs. But, you know, he did that systematically every time. And every time I would say, Anil, will you just show me the latest, the newest styles? No, no, no worry. No worry. I have system. I have system. <laughs> That was the that was the slippery slope, and I didn't even see it happening to me back then. Yeah, that's a good point, Sean. So um, the couple of examples that we've given so far have been like in-person sales scenarios. So you're you don't realize this, or you probably haven't ever uh, thought about it, but Amazon treats their business the same way. Um, we as marketers selling on Amazon need to treat our business the same way, where it's just a systematic, just like your watch dealer in Chicago knew he would put you through a system. Um, we need to take that exact same mindset and approach our online business with that in mind. And that process will dramatically increase your conversion rates 
at every step, whether that's buying on your Amazon the first time, repeat ordering on Amazon the second time, or signing up through your insert and your opt-in funnel, which is what we're going to talk about in a little bit. So how, Seth, then can we use that in my Amazon business? If I'm a seller, <clears throat> how can I use the so-called slippery slope effect in my business, in my Amazon listing? Well, Sean, just go to Amazon and look at a random listing. You know, look at um, how that listing is built. If you uh, look at a listing that's doing, um, you know, decent, we'll say, um, whereas it's not doing great in a market. If you just look at any particular niche and find one that's kind of middle of the pack, most likely what you'll see is that their bullets, their pictures, it's all written to please them as the seller. They did not consider the customer. Um, a lot of times the, the great listings, um, unless they have external traffic that they're paying for from TV or elsewhere, um, a great listing that converts really, really well will knock down all of the customer's objections when they get to the listing. So say, for instance, the customer's doing a search on Amazon and they um, are looking for a particular product and they have three reasons why they want it. Say, uh, you know, they have they want it to be uh, to fit their particular device at home. So it has to be compatible. They need it to be of a certain material and they, uh, you know, pick something else um, as, as the benefit. But basically what happens is the customer gets to your listing and then they're looking to see, does this product fit my criteria? Does this round peg that I need, uh, are you selling a round peg or a square peg? So when they get there, if your listing is loaded down with a bunch of other details about like the product specification, the size, if it doesn't matter, then don't put it there. You really want to find out what is making your customers decide to buy and then make that very easy. So a slippery slope example would be, you know, you, you build your Amazon listing to where each line in your listing is simple and easy to read. So your bullets are simple and easy to read. And each one of them checks off a box in their, in their mind saying, yes, that's what I need. The next one is, yes, that's exactly what I need. And then, you know, the last one in my example is, that confirms that this product is exactly what I need. They do a quick glance at the reviews to make sure that you're selling a quality product and they check out and buy. That is a slippery slope example on an Amazon listing. Sean? Yeah, you know, all sales is psychology, whether it's online or offline. That's exactly why if you go back to the new car, uh, buying the new car theory, you walk in to buy a red truck and soon you're buying something you didn't even know existed yesterday. Now that's what I call a slippery slope effect. <laughs> what can you do for your business? Here's what you do. You create a, what Anil would call a system. You create a sales funnel. Even if you create the sales funnel just in concept of the exact path or system that you would like your customer to travel, that would be give you a very good understanding, a very good view, an overall view of your business and the way it should be laid out and managed, okay? You can just depend on the whims of Amazon sending you buyer traffic and you can take what they give you and be happy. But if you really want to grow the business to the effect that we've grown our business and a lot of the colleagues that we've worked with, then you need a system. You need a systematic approach, a sales funnel. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to give you access to a free diagram that you'll be able to use as a template. You can look at my diagram for my system, my sales funnel, my customer flow, and you can use that to create your own. Even if you create it in concept, 
it will give you a better view of the the path, the journey that your customer is going to travel down. All right. So let's talk real quick, Seth, before we wrap things up, some examples that we can use or demonstrate of the slippery slope in email marketing. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that, um, that is my favorite question to talk to Amazon sellers about that have been selling for a little bit, inevitably the question or the uh, conversation moves to customer eat or, uh, data capture. And then the first thing we have to talk about in that uh, context isn't a product insert. So most sellers who've been around for a while have a product insert, but most sellers who've been around for a while still have their first idea um, still inserted into their product and it just doesn't work very well. And if you look at uh, a random product insert for a seller, you will understand why it doesn't work. Um, if you take the slippery slope concept um, into consideration when you're looking at it. So look at your product insert, look at a competitor's product insert, and it probably says a lot of different stuff. It's probably not simple. There's probably a lot of stuff to do, and it's probably not very important to the customer. So, you know, I've seen a card recently with a product and it says, hey, would you mind to come and like us on Facebook? Then would you leave us a review? Then join our VIP club and then register your warranty. Well, all of that stuff, is not very important to the customer and there's a lot of stuff to do. So that insert does not get a very high conversion rate. So that is not a slippery slope. Imagine about thinking about our restaurant example. What if you sat down at the table and the waitress said, hey, I need your appetizer order, drink order, meal order, dessert order, and here's the price for it all. That's a huge hurdle. You wouldn't do that. So with the insert, you, you, you wanna think about it one step at a time. What do you think, Sean? Oh, you just reminded me of a nightmare I had uh, in real life. I decided, for whatever reason, some guys I was hanging out with decided to talk me into going and seeing a haunted house. You know, I was probably 24 years old. I couldn't understand why they wanted to pay $35 to go try to have someone scare you. But we waited in line, Seth, for like an hour and a half to get into this warehouse where they were doing a haunted house. Okay, so imagine this. I'm already upset. I don't want to go to begin with. But after I waited for an hour and a half, you know, I'm in line for 30 minutes and I look behind me and there's more people behind me than there are in front of me. So now I feel like I'm getting somewhere. Right. <laughs> then we move a little bit further and a little bit further. And, you know, by the time we get to the front of the line, we run out of stuff to talk about. So we finally make it through the double doors into the building. And guess what I seen? What Another line about as long as the one I just stood in for oh, an hour and a half. Yes. Hey, now, if that entire line would have been outside, do you think I would have made that commitment? No. But once I already had an hour and a half invested, what's well, another hour and a half for a thirty-five-dollar <laughs> The entire haunted house lasted like four minutes max, but I waited for three hours to spend thirty-five dollars. That's a slippery slope. So, oh my gosh, Sean, that I just I just gotta I gotta mention that <laughs> since you brought that up. If if any of you have ever been to Disney World or Disneyland. We just had the same experience. They, they drag you into a cool looking building. You're like, oh, I'm almost there. And then you turn the corner and then there's a big line. You're like, oh, well, that's not too bad. I can make that. And then you turn the corner. There's another line. Eight turns <laughs> later, you're an hour and a half in. Yeah, pretty soon your, your entire weight revolves around making it to the next air conditioner event, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. All little wins, but the kids are excited. Yep. So what can you do about it right now? <laughs> like I promised, I'm going to show you I'm going to share with you a product 
and customer flow that we've used to do millions and millions in sales over and over and over again. It's sort of generic, but it's still the framework for every single sales funnel or what Anil would call his system. I have system. I have system. Don't worry. <laughs> I can hear him today. If you want to get a copy of this, go now to where, Seth? Yeah, guys, this uh, is, is definitely worth your time. Just go to postpurchasepro.com forward slash flow. Uh, flow is F-L-O-W, just like what it sounds like, a flow chart. And we're going to show you, we're going to actually just let you download it there, um, the entire flow of how we approach our business to keep our customers always kind of falling down that slope and towards the next goal that we have for them, whether that be writing a review, coming back and buying more, getting exposed to our other products and our brand line, all of that, um, that entire flow was listed on this chart. And you'll be able to think through how it applies to your business and start applying these concepts that we've been talking about to the online world. I know it's funny to think about these, uh, these real life situations where you can feel yourself getting sucked into a slippery slope. But when you harness this power and you apply it to your Amazon business, your conversions come up and your sales come up, your ranking comes up, like everything gets better when you start thinking about how can I make it easier for my customer to do business with me? And that's really the philosophy behind a slippery slope. It's making your customer's life easy um, and it makes the, the journey to buy from you easy. Sean? Yeah, great. Uh, great concept, the slippery slope. I love it. Don't forget, folks, like the podcast, help us share it with others. Help us continue to provide valuable content for you and your colleagues by liking us, by subscribing to the podcast to show the platforms that we're relevant, share with others, and write us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us in episode four, and we'll talk to you next time. On behalf of Seth Stevens, myself, Sean Hart, this has been the Post Purchase Pro Podcast, episode four. Take care.